The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Episode six on insurance with our Let's Talk Money Finance Child Free videos that we're doing. I'm Cody Hetzel, the founder of Child Free Family, co-founder for the Child Free Convention, and just all-around participant in discussions about the child free lifestyle. I'll be joined today by Dr. Jay Zygmunt. Jay, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing all right. He and his wife are child free. Hooray. All right. Uh, he has a PhD in adult learning from the University of Connecticut and is a certified financial planner. And so a key thing to note about that is that he is a fiduciary which means he must put the needs and interest of a client ahead of his own. And on top of that, he is an advice only and fee only certified financial planner. So in other words, he is paid for his time by his clients. He doesn't receive any kind of commissions, incentives, kickbacks from selling products, recommendations. Uh, and so his clients pay him for his time and he gives them some advice on how to manage their current situation. Welcome. Thanks, Dr. J. How you doing? Good evening. I think, uh, you went through the list and said, okay, we did taxes last week. What do people like less than taxes? Let's I talk mean, about insurance. Let's just give them a lullaby. I mean, this is, this is what it's nap time, everybody. <laughs> it's a necessary evil, just like taxes. Yeah. And so just a quick reminder to the audience that, uh, well, let me, let me get rid of this thing first. Boom. We're live right now. Um, that uh, this is being live streamed. This is live at the current moment, but it will be archived later on uh, YouTube at the Chopper Family's uh, Facebook page and YouTube channel. So if you have questions or comments and you want to get involved, ask us questions on this topic, or if there's something else that you want to ask, maybe Dr. J, uh, feel free on Chopper Finances and uh, we'll answer that question. And if it's later on when it's archived, we'll do our best to get you an answer that way as well. And so with that being said, here's a fun little disclaimer. Uh, the following views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please seek the assistance of a professional to aid you in your financial decisions. You want to add any little add-on to that, Jay? And depending on your state, you may need an insurance professional because each state has their own laws around selling insurance. That's a weirdo thing. Especially for this topic that we're getting into right now. So let's just dive right in. Insurance, the basics. Yeah, so... Years and years and years ago, I um, worked at a company and this guy upstairs sold auto insurance. And I got to befriend him and talk to him. And he was a funny dude. And he he explained to me the way insurance works as just a concept of assigned risk. So I can take the risk on or somebody else can. I'm paying somebody else to take that risk on if I buy insurance. Mm -hmm. And we don't think about it that way. Mm -hmm. you know. So we're going to talk about health care, health kit insurance in a minute. And you know, health insurance, well, I got to you know, get something for it. Technically, insurance is there, you know, for something bad is going to happen. They yeah. pay for it instead of me. Yeah. Which, it, it, insurance, like you're almost planning for a disaster. It's like, look, I, I think something bad might be coming down the pipeline one day at some time. So let me um, CYA, which is cover your, uh, anyway. Uh, and your so assets. <laughs> your, your assets. assets. Perfect. Yes. That's exactly. Uh, and <laughs> Cody, just in case you didn't know, you can buy insurance for alien abduction. Oh, well. Sign me up. <laughs> it, if you get abducted, you can get up to a dollar a year for 10 million years. 
for uh, Bigfoot attacks. I literally, I think you can get insured for pretty much anything. Like I, I've heard those, those crazy stories where if you're a vocalist, like, you know, you can go to whatever Lords of London or somebody, they'll insure your vocal cords up to a million dollars or something. Uh, a lot more than that, actually. Yeah. Well, depending, depending who you are. <laughs> yeah. And I think the thing that, to understand about insurance and, and I, I apologize, I'm going to be a little obnoxious for a minute, but when you go to buy insurance, you're buying from somebody who's getting a commission in most cases. There are a few that are on salary. Those are the types I like to work with uh, because then they don't get an incentive to, to sell you insurance. But you have to think about why they're selling it to you. You know, So if you say to somebody, hey, should I buy this insurance to somebody who's selling you insurance? It's like asking my dog if he's hungry. <laughs> His answer is always going to be yes. And he's always hungry. <laughs> he is, but that's a separate discussion. Uh, he swears my wife never feeds him. But that's the caution. You know, so when I work with clients, what I find with their insurance is often they have too much of some and too little of another. And that's that balancing act around your finances. You get to choose which risks you keep and which risks you get rid of. Yeah. So our first topic is actually healthcare uh, and healthcare insurance. And by the way, this is not a risk I want to take on myself. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. You know, you want to have some health insurance because accidents happen, life happens. You know, a trip to the ER could be $100,000 just for an evening. Uh -huh. um, and that's just too much risk for us to take on. So that's why health insurance exists. It's not health insurance. You know, people like do the math and they're like, well, I paid in this much and I didn't get that out. Uh -huh. That's kind of the point overall that has an impact. And what happens with health insurance is the fun part of insurance companies is they have these people called actuaries working for them. Uh -huh. You know what an actuary is, Cody? Uh, is it like an underwriter or is it a little bit different? These are people who have spent way too much time doing way too much math. They could tell you, Cody, with his life and his expectation, what you you know, what age he's going to die. Now that doesn't. Oh, there, there's a movie Ben Stiller plays an actuary, I think, in a, a movie. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, there, there's a bunch yeah. of that. And, and these these guys are great at math. And I say guys, but it's guys, gals, who all different groups. They do the math, mm -hmm. and what happens is everybody goes, "Well, my health insurance keeps going up every year." You're right, because the math keeps going up. Mm -hmm. The cost for medical stuff is just insane. And what happens with health insurance is in the U.S. at least, we've decided, hey, your health insurance is tied to your employment, which we then found with the COVID shutdowns. That was not a great idea mm -hmm. uh, because, hey, I lost my job. I am lost my health insurance at the same time. Now, I'm not going to go into the politics of that. That's a you know, we should do a session on politics. Be separate. <laughs> We're already putting them to sleep with insurance. I mean, if we get into politics, I got well, a no, politics could be more interesting. Got all. a little help here. Tiffany says it's a long came Polly. That's the name of that, uh, that movie. Thanks. Perfect. For the, the help there. <laughs> so with health insurance, what happens is I need to make a decision on my coverage well before I need the insurance. Because if I'm like, hey, I just got diagnosed with cancer. I need to update my insurance. Uh -huh. The insurance company's going to be like, uh -huh, yeah, good luck. Yeah. Um, so what happened is with the ACA and some other things, we've somewhat standardized plans. There's certain mm -hmm. coverages. By the way, child-free folks, 
one method of sterilization must be covered under all healthcare plans that are ACA compliant. Just good to know. For, thought, for yeah. those that, that might be going in that direction. Um, but now we've got like the on the exchanges like silver and gold and plans and all these others. Uh-huh. Here's what happens. When you look at your health insurance, you're deciding how much risk you want to keep. That's your deductible. So for example, if it says you have a $5,000 deductible, you're retaining $5,000 of the risk. So you uh-huh. need to have five grand. Uh-huh. So people are like, well, but that, you know, I, I could do this. That's a lower monthly payment if I had that deductible or like the 70-30 plans. You're right. You are retaining more of the risk. You have to decide if you can do that. Uh-huh. Now, I grew up, my mother's uh, disabled, had medical issues her whole life. With my clients and for myself, I usually opt for the more expensive healthcare coverage because the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States is medical bills. Uh, I believe it. I believe it. You know, so what people go, well, but, you know, that's going to cost me X more per month on my health insurance. It's probably worth it Uh, if you can afford it. If your income's low, you may be able to get some subsidies to get a better plan on the marketplace, which you probably should consider also. Uh-huh. If you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're, you know, you're really um, scraping by, unfortunately, health insurance is not one of those things you can save money on. You know, it used to be uh-huh. uh, pre-ACA, you could get the catastrophic plan. You know, that's a oops. You know, something yeah. really bad happened. Now those have gone out of fashion because they don't qualify. Used to be like, hey, I, you know, I'm 18, I'm young, I, I'm healthy, I'm just going to get this cash. I'm invincible. Yeah. And, and <laughs> then you get in a car crash and you have, you know, PT and all that for, mm-hmm. for years. Um, so I think with health insurance in general, what I encourage people is if you have it through your employer, every year when it has an open enrollment, you have to look and see, should I change my insurance? What's going on in my life? In particular, with a, a lot of clients, if you have any specialty docs, specialty meds, you're going to need to double check that insurance. Uh-huh. So like the open enrollment, everybody just gets this like packet and just goes, yeah, I ignore that. Uh-huh. Um, you have to look at it. Also, if you're in a couple or, or, or some other union, you want to make sure, is it better for us to both be on one plan separate? What's happened is employers now are, well, they're calling it uh, discouraging. They really don't want your spouse on the plan. So what they'll do is if your spouse has a has insurance through their work, they're like, oh, that price is double or triple or something crazy like that. But there are still times where it's better off being on one plan. Uh, for those of you that are self-employed, you're going to be looking at the healthcare marketplace or a group plan. And I have to say, since we're talking about the money, Cody, I'm willing to bet, and you, you'll probably agree with this, in the fire community, if we had universal healthcare, there'd be a whole lot more people retiring tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well... That's kind of how, you know, we were able to get out of the, you know, so-called rat race of corporate America is once ACA came around, my wife and I, you know, decided, well, do we want to go and and work for someone else or start a company now that we have an option to do this? And that's, that's what we weighed being child-free. It's like, well, it's just us. So let's roll the dice on this and go with uh, affordable uh, uh, healthcare. And there you go. Yeah. So I, I agree. If there was universal healthcare and uh, America, it would it would be a different ball game for sure, and that's part of the reason why it won't exist. Choking mm. uh, <laughs> on the <laughs> politics side, but that's just it's a game. You yeah, know? healthcare is someplace where people are making money. 
you know, I came out of healthcare. I've spent way too much time in the good, bad, and ugly. A um, couple things to keep in mind with health insurance. If you have a deductible and if you have an out-of-pocket, well, they'll say is you have an out-of-pocket max of, let's say, 1000 5000 whatever it is, shop around for your medical care. Uh-huh. A great example of this is, hey, I need a CAT scan. You can actually pay cash prices and pay less than, in, than your copay and your insurance. The thing is, you got to make sure you're actually getting credit for that and the deductible. Um, it, it's one of those things where you would never thought, hey, I could shop around for healthcare, but it does work. Um, and then the next part we're going to go into is Medicare and Medicaid. Now, this is what people usually think, well, these are going to save me. Uh, Medicare uh, is for people 65 and older or people who are disabled after a period of time. And the coverage is pretty decent. I mean, it's not great. They talk about this, this donut hole where, you know, oh, I have to pay money, then I don't pay money, then I pay money. And there's all these different options for Medicare plans. My recommendation to anyone who's looking at Medicare is you can actually talk to your local either social worker or they have a Medicare expert in the town. Go for a nonprofit. They, they exist to look at the supplementals and see what fits and where that goes. The cool thing about Medicare is if you've paid into it, it's actually not that expensive. Downside of Medicare is as you start making too much money, you actually start paying more for your Medicare. That's this oh, yeah. Irma thing that uh, those who are getting a lot of money in their retirement are going to get a bonus of getting to pay more for their Medicare. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how it works. Yeah. Medic- now, Medicaid is for when, hey, I don't have money. That's state by state decides this. Is, Medicare is offered by the feds. Medicaid is a partnership between the state and the feds. Here's the thing that, that people kind of get a little screwy on it. Medicare will not pay for your long-term care. So if you need to be in a nursing home, nope, they're paying nothing. They'll pay for a few days as you get started and get you in. And then like, good luck. I think they, do they pay it for 90 days? I think there's a up to 90 days, but mm-hmm. it depends on qualifications. Mm-hmm. By the way, all of this stuff we're talking about insurance, it depends on the policy. That's and, right. And I swear the insurance companies, they have people on the other side just figuring out ways to deny that claim. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't cross that T. I'm sorry. That one is not getting paid. Um, and then Medicaid, when you talk about long-term care, you'll hear what's called Medicaid beds. Mm. This is not going to be a nice private room. I hate to say it, but the long-term care you get on Medicaid, not the best. Um, it's just, it isn't. Uh, I worked as a medic for a while and whew, there's some places I would not let my friends even walk into. Mm. Um, but the other part of it is you have to have no assets or very little. I mean, like most states are under 5,000, 10,000 max mm-hmm. and no income. And what happens is people go, well, Medicaid will take care of my long-term care. Well, so if me and my wife rely on Medicaid, We'd have to both essentially go broke before mm-hmm. that would cover it. And you'd have to to divest of assets like like a, is it a five year grace period yeah. or something like that? Like so, you have to you have to plan when you're gonna go broke, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. And so because child free folks, we tend to have to do a bit more elder care. We take care of our parents, we run them this often. There's what's called a five year look back. Mm-hmm. So if they're like it used to be like the old school was. I'm just going to sign over my house to my kids. And then uh-huh. I don't, I don't have any assets. And the government was like, yeah, that's a, you're, you're defrauding us essentially. And what they do is they can either claw that back and just take it, take that money back. Or they can say, sure, you gave away your house. 
you don't qualify for Medicaid for, for three years. They pick numbers based okay. on a math equation. So what that means now is you need long-term care. You got no money. You've given your assets away. Mm-hmm. And the government's like, I'll see you in a couple of years. Good luck. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you do then. Yeah. By the way, what you end up doing is you bring mom and she lives in your house. Um, I don't know about you, Cody, but I don't want a whole bunch of uh, my elders living here in my house. Well, look at it from a child-free standpoint. So if someone like is looking at that Medicaid option, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, well, what do you, what do you do with those assets? Like, you know, do you just try to like, is that with the, like, hopefully, hopefully they don't exist, but like reverse mortgages and things of that nature. Like, is that something that people could look into? Yeah. So what ends up happening? So there's this like big talk about generations and like the baby boomers are going to give money to the next generation. Uh-huh. No, they're giving their money to nursing homes. Uh-huh. Um, I was just working on this. We'll talk a little about in long-term care and, uh, for women, on average, it's up to 3.7 years in a nursing home. And the national average is somewhere, could be up to $100,000 a year. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you end up liquidating your assets and then running out, then getting on Medicaid. Mm. So it actually becomes cheaper to pay people to come care for your loved ones in their house, mm-hmm. which, which is, is an a- option. Well, which is a booming business as well. That's that's been growing for the last decade. Uh, home health care, for sure, yeah. in America at least. I can't speak for other countries, but yeah. And, and I think really, I bring up Medicare and Medicaid because I think people just assume it's going to take care of things. Mm-hmm. This is just not an assumption that's worth making. Yeah, you need to, in general, look at just on medical expenses about a quarter million dollars in unreimbursed medical expenses in your retirement. Then you look at long-term care, uh-huh. you know, so I'm 43, I'm going to be 44 in a couple weeks. I didn't think about how old I am there, Cody. <laughs> and I just did out my plan and, and I plan on all oh, the last two years or so um, having to pay for long-term care. Well, that's now many years out. It's going to be like two and a half million dollars that I have to cover in long-term care. That's insane. And, and so, and it, it does sound completely unrealistic i mean it, it, that's what the metrics are basically saying by the time you know you reach whatever that target age is for you they're they're saying it's going to be a lot of money <laughs> yeah and we'll get back to that when we talk about long-term care mm. so let's move forward and talk about property and casualty yeah so this is you know your house or your car insurance that's mm-hmm. kind of where people think about this also mm-hmm. renters insurance in some cases mm-hmm. um so Cody and I were just having this discussion beforehand. Cody, I, I, you just got your house bill, right? Is that yeah, right? We, yeah, just just literally got a new plan from our uh, insurance agent on a new uh, house insurance plan. All right, so let's talk about house first, and we talk about car next. The house insurance um, protects you from liability, so like that's a slip and fall. Uh-huh. That's like the 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 classic you know, oops coverage, and then it protects your property and the house and replacement and all that. Well, the funny part of this one is you get to pick how much you cover. And in most insurance plans, they're saying the minimum coverage is about 80% of the house value. So I just moved in July. And when I went to buy home insurance for myself, they come out and they do photos and all this. And they're like, yeah, so you have to do it off of a number that was about 10 or 20% higher than what I paid for the place. Because at the time plywood was really expensive, and they, you know, they look at replacement costs. Uh-huh. 
And what happens is, let's say I have a $300,000 house. 80% says, okay, I have to cover $240,000 of the house. If instead I pick a plan and say, ah, I'm going to cover 200000 uh-huh. and the house goes up in flames, uh-huh. the insurance company goes, okay, I'll write you a check for essentially, you know, in that case. Here you go. <laughs> and, and you got to pay off the mortgage and everything else and rebuild the house and good luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that number also gets used based on like, so if a uh, kitchen fire. Well, if you have a kitchen fire, they're going to go, okay, you're covering 60% of the house, so we'll cover... 60% of the damage of the kitchen doesn't buy you a kitchen. If you have 60% of the money. See, that's very interesting to think about. Cause you would think, well, you know, if you're in your scenario, like if it's insured for over 200,000 in the kitchen, let's say it's 60,000 to get done. They're not going to give you 60,000. They're going to give you whatever percentage it is mm-hmm. of the $60,000. Yep. And that's... depending on what caused it, mm-hmm. they may or may not cover it. So here's, here's one of the fun ones. Um, in most cases, by the way, in all of this insurance is in most cases, look at your own policy. But uh-huh. for most places, if water comes down and destroys something, uh-huh. that's covered. That's like a pipe burst. If the water comes up from the ground, that's a flood not covered. Uh-huh. It's just like that's. Yeah. Unless you buy the flood insurance. What's that? Unless you buy flood insurance. Yeah. Flood insurance is offered uh-huh. by the government. But what happens is we've had a lot of with the weather. People that have never had yep. a flood have, aren't anywhere near a lake, anywhere near. We've had a lot of hundred-year floods happen in the last couple of years. Yep, and the insurance company goes, "You see this little clause here that says I don't cover flood? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Have a good day." Mm-hmm. Now, for everyone who's living in the future and their houses are all on stilts because of the rising ocean levels, a uh, different scenario. But uh... <laughs> yeah, and and. Um... You're in hurricane area, aren't you? I am. I'm down. Yeah, definitely in, in hurricane country. And so uh, not uncommon to uh, have that concern during hurricane season and to see what happens, especially, um, I mean, the, what happens in the poor Gulf is just getting warmer. It's churning up monster hurricanes uh, that, that they'll get weakened and then all of a sudden they'll hit a category four or five even. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to see. Again, talking about the 80% coverage or 60% coverage, uh, you know, when you're looking at winds of 150, like the house is probably going to be gone. Like that's going to be, you know. Yeah, I I get the bonus of I get both hurricanes and tornadoes in this area. Mm -hmm. And you keep in mind your insurance now goes, oh, well, I have a $1,000, dollars $5,000, whatever. And then it goes, but if it's a hurricane, it's 3% of the value or something along those lines. Yeah. Different math. Um, and that, that can be an issue. The other thing that happens is your coverage may or may not cover the stuff in your house. Hmm. So for example, um, jewelry, common one, uh-huh. sometimes they'll cover $5,000 or some random number. Uh-huh. But what happens is that if your house, let's say it blows away, um, in this example, they're going to go prove that you had this jewelry. Yes. <laughs> and that's where I go. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. Prove that you had a TV in the room. I'm, I'm anything. That's why actually his best habit is actually to walk through your house once a year and videotape mm-hmm. everything and save your receipts and things. But you know, they're just trying to go, well, you know, normal house like this will have X amount of stuff in it. We'll give you credit for that. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, forget You're it. You're on your own. Yeah. So if you just received your great grandmother's, you know, wedding ring, whatever it's, 
you better make note of it somehow, some kind of documentation. Yep. And there's other things they're not going to cover. Mm -hmm. You know, you got cash in a safe. They're going to go, mm, you probably shouldn't have had it in the house. Uh -huh. um, you know, currency is very rare, rarely covered. Uh, precious metals, maybe, maybe not. Um, guns are another one that is very common that it may or may not be covered. Different things. Uh -huh. And what happens, we don't think about this stuff until it's gone, destroyed. Uh -huh. We're like, what do we do? Now, here's the other one with the house. One, you have a little caution. We're talking about hurricanes, all that. So a tree falls through your house. Great. And if it's a hurricane, there's like a lot of trees that fell around. Yeah. Getting somebody to come and fix it, it's hard. If you don't take the effort to like put a tarp over it and make it, you know, stop it from getting worse, insurance company goes, yeah, we'll pay you for the tree fall, but the rest of the house got destroyed. All, the, we'll... all the water damage and everything that happened. Yeah. Because you didn't make a good effort to take mm. care of it. And I, I believe it, it's not just a hurricane. I think it's literally just a named storm. So as soon as a, a storm gets a name, that's when you hit that different. Uh, it's possible. Curtain. Yeah. But also. Like if I just had a thunderstorm here and my tree came through and I did mm -hmm. nothing to protect the house afterwards, mm -hmm. they'd still say, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So you have to watch your insurance. Also, keep in mind, one of the best habits when it comes to property and casualties is to have an electronic version of your insurance documents. Because if my house blew away, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's my insurance policy? Put it in the cloud, have it in your phone. Uh, but And... In my previous life of working in estate sales, I came across, again, the diamond ring scenario where they've insured their, you know, this family heirloom, diamond ring, platinum band, whatever, $25,000 appraised value, which don't get me started on what appraisals are. But uh, if it's insured for $25,000, what I've, I've heard from people who are in the jewelry industry is, uh, depending on what your policy says, that if that ring is lost, stolen, whatever, and you have to get it, uh, you know, essentially you, you want to cash in. You're like, well, it was, it was insured for 25,000. I want my 25,000. What the insurance company may do is just replace the diamond ring. And believe me, they've got contacts at all the jewelers, that, or at least they have their contacts in, you know, diamonds, gold, doesn't matter. They will recreate the ring to the best of their ability and say, well, here's the ring back you don't get the $25,000, but we're going to replace the ring. And trust me, it will cost them a fraction of that value. Yeah. Let's not talk about diamond ring values. Cause that's a scam, but <laughs> we all had to pay it. I mean, I bought my night, my wife a nice one too, but um, I, what happens is the question of, does it have a stated value or a replacement? Stated value says, okay, it's 25 grand. Well, the stated value plans, and this is one of the things to watch about with your house insurance over years. Like we're talking about the 7% inflation right now this year. It may or may not automatically adjust depending on the policy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And what happens is we all are like, I want to pay less for my insurance. Well, then you're getting less coverage. And that's a, it's a, it's a touchy yeah, area. That's a roll of the die. So let's say, for example, I wanted to, to get uh, more coverage on my insurance, which I'm sure they would love to insure me for more money because they can charge me more money. Do, do I have to go through like the whole appraisal process to prove that the house is worth this? Or do I say, I want to insure up to this amount now? And they'll be like, sure. It depends on the place. Okay. Um, my recommendation for both your house and car, usually, by the way, you get a better deal if they're all together. So mm -hmm. if you have a house and do car, same with rental insurance and car, sometimes even like car, motorcycle, you start combining things, you get discounts. Um, I encourage you to shop it every year. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a client who did it, does this great. What he does is he's got two insurance companies <laughs> and this year he goes here and then they go, hey, I have a new, new sign up discount and goes there next year. <laughs> and every year he goes back and forth. And beautiful. 
Um, that's actually what you should do. Um, how much you insure for it, that's your part, your judgment and part theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, some places are more picky and other places are like, you pick a number, good luck, and hopefully you got enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also don't want to over-insure. Sure, yeah. You know, so, by the way, for renter's insurance um, and condos, you can like condos, you can rent, you can get insurance for everything inside the walls. Mm-hmm. They go, okay, the paint is here. Literally, that's how they talk paint. Everything mm-hmm. inside the paint is covered by a condo insurance or renter's insurance. The other thing you can get on both uh, homeowners and renter's insurance usually now is actually insurance for ID fraud, identity uh, theft. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's like something stupid, like 12 bucks or something like that. Worth getting because what it is, it doesn't prevent ID theft. But if you've ever had your identity f- stolen, you, um, you're going to end up with a lot of phone calls and maybe lawyers and discussion things and you know, your credit, it gets covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, bonuses, that's part of the policies in most of the cases. On the car insurance, people have this debate on should I have the whole car covered or just my liability? And the, here's the rule. If you can afford to replace your car out of pocket, then you might be able to get away with not covering it as far as that's just the collision. You know, my car gets totaled, I get nothing for it. Mm-hmm. But you need the liability insurance no matter what. Mm-hmm. And what yeah, happens yeah. with the liability insurance, and this is what gets people really confused, is you'll have like these plan- these plans that have weird numbers like 50, 100, or 50 and 250. What, the- what that really means is if I have a 50, 100 plan, the first person to get injured, if just one person gets injured, they'll cover 50,000. Two people get injured, they'll cover 100,000. Three people get injured, 100,000. Four people get injured, 100,000. So it's a it's a single and the and overall. And what happens is people go, well, I can do the cheapest. Well, guess what? You crash in a car and four people get hurt, all four are going to sue you. And when your insurance runs out, they're like, hmm, what do you have? <laughs> you are on your own. <laughs> Um, and I had a thought um, as far as like the identity um, insurance, does it help if you just contact the credit bureaus and freeze your credit report? Would that basically yeah, uh, nullify uh, identity theft because they can't really take out a new card or a loan or anything? Well, hold on. So everybody, by the way, should freeze their credit because what that means is you get control over who can add accounts and when. All mm-hmm. my credit are frozen. And if I like when I went, applied for the house and got a mortgage, I unfroze it for a week and then went back. Thought it. Yeah, I think it's what it's called. Yeah. But there's more than just credit. So, for example, identity theft with health care insurance. Mm. I go to the hospital. I'm like, I'm Cody. Here, charge <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, so there is more than that also that, that, that becomes part of it. Um, and, and it's just a matter of cleaning it up. Yeah. So let's move on to umbrella insurance. I'm going to touch this one quickly. Um, so once you have some assets, you got money, then people are like, hmm, let me come grab some. Uh-huh. That's where umbrella insurance comes in. Umbrella insurance picks up where either home insurance or car insurance left off and goes up to usually like a million, million and a half, two million, whatever number you want to pick. Uh-huh. And this is extra insurance. What's so kind the of the scenario you were just talking about, if it's an accident with a number of parties involved, number of cars involved, your auto insurance is going to go to zero real fast. Yeah. And what's going to happen is when you apply for umbrella insurance, like, so I know my policy, um, I have to have $300,000 coverage on the car and then the umbrella will cover up to a million. Okay. 
Um, so you usually umbrella will say, you got to have at least this much on the car in the house, then I'll do the rest. Umbrella insurance also, most policies cover some weird stuff, um, liabilities that you really wouldn't think about. Uh, and by the way, look at each policy. Also some weird things with libel and slander. You know, hey, I posted something on the internet and somebody yeah. sued me. Um, it can be covered uh, in some plans. And then also uh, umbrella insurance. What I like about if you have good insurance, somebody sues you, the insurance company goes, I'll take that one. And they fight it in court. And now you just go, here's my umbrella insurance and my house <laughs> insurance. And, you know, it was a rough day, but um, mm -hmm. let me know how you finish it. Yeah. Versus if you got to go to court and fight this and all that, the insurance companies take that over because, they, of course, they want to pay less. Uh -huh. But it's also why they settle out of court in a lot of cases. But the bottom line is, you don't have to deal with it. Uh -huh. um, if you've ever been in a car crash, it's it's dramatic enough. Life is just rough. And then if somebody's like, oh, I want to sue you because my neck hurts. Uh -huh. Classic. That's what your insurance is for. And if you watch TV in America, it's either going to be a pharmaceutical commercial or an attorney commercial about a car accident. Of yes, some, some call. Yeah. So if anyone out there is one of those attorneys watching this and you want to throw on your two cents, feel free in the comments and uh let us let us know the what, what you think of everything. Yeah. So let's move on. You got it. So next up is disability insurance. Now I'm gonna I'm a little biased right now. So I you know, I spend my time, my specialties in working with child free folks. I believe that disability insurance is more important to a child-free person or, the, or a couple than life insurance. Let me explain why. We'll get back to life insurance in a minute, but life insurance protects your income if you pass. So mm -hmm. me and my wife, if I pass, it would give her income. To be honest, we both work. So we probably would be okay if one of us passed. Now, by the way, there, there are some times life insurance makes sense, but if for example, we're in an accident, go back to that, mm -hmm. and now we can't work, and we both can't work, we're screwed. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's where disability insurance comes in. Another great example of this is somebody had a stroke or a heart attack or whatever and can't work. It's completely, I hate to say it, but we can financially tend to deal with it better if somebody passes than disability. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me work this example. So, okay, great. I'm... In my, I'm 43. I have a stroke. I can no longer work. I now need income, at least until I retire, and possibly beyond that. That's what disability insurance is for. It protects usually to a certain age or until you hit Social Security. And what happens is disability insurance usually something like covers like 60 or 70 percent of your income. Uh -huh. And the reason for that is if I pay out of pocket as a person for my disability insurance. Normally, you know, it's supposed to not be charged taxes. So I'm actually getting that income tax free. It's one of the few times you can actually not pay your taxes. Uh, by the way, if my employer pays for it, then I have to pay income tax on it. Okay. Like it gets weird. Mm -hmm. But disability insurance becomes important. So a couple things on this. One, you need the insurance before you get disabled. That sounds a little weird, but like you're like, hey, I've had some back issues and I'm getting worse and I might have to get some surgery and now I can't move and can't go to work too late to get your disability insurance. Mm. Um, when you're looking for disability insurance, I encourage people to look for a policy that's called 
own occupation. So own occupation, a classic example is a doctor. So if I, let's say I'm a surgeon and I can't use my hands, which by the way, is common. I mean, I could do a lot of things that I just don't have the dexterity. At least you don't want me operating on you anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, own occupation says if I can't be a surgeon, I still get disability. If I have what's called any occupation, they go, hey, you can flip burgers at McDonald's. I'm not paying you. Yeah. Big difference. Okay. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure that definition is there. The other thing you'll see is there's both short-term and long-term disability. Uh-huh. Uh, short-term is really usually kind of 30 to 60 days. This long-term tends to start at 90 days. And how long it takes to kick in will change your policy price. Short-term disability for most people, I'm going, if you have your three to six months of an emergency fund, you're probably okay without it. If you don't, you need the short-term disability. The long-term disability, um, most people usually get a 90-day kick in. It is a lifesaver. Hmm, um, I can imagine, yeah. You know, Cody, do you have what, a disability insurance? I do not. Well, why? I uh, well, I, I guess that I feel like I'm self-employed, uh, run my own business, so that's kind of, I guess, I, I, it seems like I wouldn't even qualify for it. You can. Uh, so, by the way, if you are self-employed. My recommendation for disability insurance is to look at whatever group you're part of. So if you're, you know, the, you're a basket weaver, you go to the American Association of Basket Weavers. There, I'm sure there is one. And they have a group policy. Two things that does. Lowers your cost, but it also helps them to understand what own occupation means. You know, so I happen to be a financial planner. Uh-huh. There's a group of financial planners. That's where I get mine from. It's pretty reasonable. Um, but you also have to adjust this over time. Because if your income goes up, you have to pay more to cover the rest of your income. Um, what happens is people go, well, I can't, I shouldn't. I, you got to get a price. You, and then what happens is you're retaining the risk of not having an income until you retire. Most people can't handle that. Yeah. You know, if I said tomorrow, hey, you got to retire, most people go, who's ready? Yes. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. I got to pay my bills. Um <laughs> So those people need disability. Does that make sense, Cody? It does. makes perfect sense. Yeah. So let's talk about life insurance on the other side. So the fun part with life insurance is this is one of those that they make good commissions on. Um, And there are all different types. There's whole life and hybrid life and term life and uh, I swear they make things up every week of, look, I can combine this and make this (laughs) magic happen. Okay. Here's what I want you to think of. You want your insurance to insure you. So that means take on risk for you. You don't need your insurance to be an investment for you. Your investments should be investments. Your insurance should be insurance. It's kind of, you know, like that. If you try the one size fits all, it fits nobody. Does that make sense, Cody? It does. Yeah, it does. The hard part is they're going to go, this is the sales pitch. Well, if you buy this whole life insurance, you're going to have value that not only if you die, but you have cash value that can come out and pay for this for you. And you can know. So here's what's really happening. The insurance company is getting you to pay for the insurance. Then they're taking the amount you pay and go, I'll invest this a little bit. Now, insurance companies are limited what they can invest in. So their return is actually lower than the market as a whole in most cases. And then what they say is, you know, if you want some back, I might be willing to give you some. So they're saying, I'll give you your money back Uh after I make money off it. Um, 
the reason why people sell the whole life and hybrid insurance life insurance policies because that's where good commissions are. Uh -huh. um, if you want to like go to the insurance market, you could sell whole life or, or hybrid life. And depending on the insurance, you can get, actually get paid every year for the rest of the time somebody has it. So if, if you sell one policy now and they keep it for 30 years, you get a commission. They call it trail and other things for, for life if you sell it. That's why it's sold. And what you'll see, actually, there's actually groups now mm, close to an MLM outselling life insurance and annuities and other products like that mm. that are confusing. Um, you want your insurance to be insurance and your investments to be investments. For a child-free person, single person, my question is, who's relying on you for income? Yeah. My dog? Sure, I can leave him 10 grand and you know he'll be fine in kibbles for quite a while. I mean, that is what some people do. Mm -hmm. They say, well, but I need to get buried. You don't need a lot of money for that. Um, cremation's a whole lot cheaper. But if you want a big old mausoleum, maybe you need a little money. But if you're solo, the only time I kind of go get the life insurance is like if you work somewhere and they're like, for $6, we cover two times your salary. Like those, uh -huh. that's a group plan. That exists. That's fine. Six bucks. I don't care. For other people, I'm going, why? Now we get to couples. And my thing is, well, does the other person need your income? And in most couples, the answer is not really. Because if they're both able-bodied, they could work. We might want some life insurance for paying off the house. That's an uh -huh. option. But our investments can do that too. So it's a, it's a balancing act. Um, my wife and I, if I die, my wife's getting no life insurance, but she gets all my investments and all my retirement plan. If she dies, she has one of those like $4 plans and uh -huh. I don't know, I get something. But also the bonus is neither of us have life insurance and the other, so we don't have um, encouragement to knock each other off. <laughs> you will be on Dateline. <laughs> um, but I think what happens is people buy life insurance because it's sold to them. And disability, they ignore because like, ah, I'm, I'm young, I'm fine. And then it goes downhill. Does that make well, sense, Cody? The, the conversation about the mortgage, if you convert that word into debt, um, it makes the life insurance uh, policy way more saleable because they basically say, I mean, the whole country pretty much is in, in debt for the most part. And so they're like, well, if you have this much debt, well, this will pay off the mortgage. So your husband or wife or partner spouse won't have to worry about that. And so essentially you're, you're basically hedging life insurance against your debt versus, you know, them actually getting it. Yeah. If you're going to do that, um, you're only buying term life insurance. Term life is 10, 20, 15 years, whatever. Certain period of time, this is my life insurance. I pay X, I get Y, that's it. Uh -huh. If they say like, well, you could, you could get dividends and you can get that. Now we're going to investment. So if you need it, simple. The uh -huh. bonus of term life is it's relatively inexpensive. Whole life becomes more, more expensive and so does um, hybrid plans. Hybrid plans, by the way, are kind of combination of both and there's weird things and each state has their own rules around it, but you want it to have a job. So if I need $250,000 to pay off my house, fine, get that. But here's the thing. If I pay off my house, I can get rid of the life insurance. If that's, if that's why you have it. Yeah. That's the justification. But people get into this, you know, kind of sunk cost fallacy. I've been paying life insurance for the past 10 years. Now you want me to not have it? Mm -hmm. Well, you're spending money you don't have to spend. Mm -hmm. 
if you'd rather give it to the insurance company than use it on yourself, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather spend it on something I enjoy. Yeah. And, and just from a, like a business standpoint, you almost wonder how these life insurance or not life insurance, but insurance companies can even be in business because it's like, well, they're, they're only making like fractions of what they're going to pay out in the end. How does that happen? And what, what I've learned, I don't know the exact number. Someone in the comments can correct me later, but I believe like 80% of these policies are never paid out. So there's a large percentage. So there's an insurance company. This is hilarious. Um, I'm going to leave their name out. So they have a disability arm and they have a life insurance arm. Somebody would die and they would immediately shut off the disability payment. Cool. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't immediately pay the life insurance payment. I'm like, like, wait a, a like, minute. An, like an auto draft or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. The system is designed so that it knows somebody died to stop paying. Mm -hmm. But they're like, well, we'll get back to you on the life insurance. We'll see if it qualifies. I'm mm -hmm. like, so here's the thing. Life ins insurance itself has a purpose for assigning risk. And they make money because what they do is they take the money we're paying in premiums and invest it. Mm -hmm. And they make money off that. Mm -hmm. And they're betting on that they don't have to pay it out. They have those actuaries doing the math. That's why, where those charts are in there. Um, you know what? If you have a, a purpose for it, great. If you don't, this is one of those that you can make some decisions on. Uh -huh. So let's go to the next one. Sure. And just a um, heads up. Next time we get together, we're going to talk about uh, overall estate planning and more on long-term care and all that. So I just want to touch on this because <laughs> um, there's a lot to it. Another hot topic coming up. <laughs> Taxes, insurance, and estate planning. All right. Oh, boy. Um <laughs> I, I work with clients and I'm like, please don't fall asleep while we're talking about now. <laughs> um, so long-term care insurance, a couple things here. Once again, this one gets funky with insurance plans and they start offering hybrid plans again here where it's life insurance and long-term together. Well, if you just decide you don't need the life insurance, you don't need it here either. So just one of those things to look for. So there's only like two-ish companies that are reputable and, and do pure long-term care insurance now. Um, I just spoke with some and, and I'm going to, I'm doing a blog post on this on quotes and I'm running the numbers and all that. Turns out you can actually get long-term care insurance starting at 30. And mm. that, that I didn't know. Um, the sweet spots, probably somewhere in your mid forties is when you should start shopping it. Um, couple things on that. Long-term care insurance, what you're saying is, I want somebody to take some of this bill. Usually it's mm -hmm. like, once again, like the house, you know, 80%. I'm going to have them yeah. cover 80% of her. And there's ways actually with long-term care insurance to have it work with Medicaid. There's actually like some things based on states. There are ways to do that. But it's a way to go, okay, I know I have this big risk later. So here's some funny things on this. A couple is going to get a better price than any singles. Because they assume you're going to take care of the other one for a bit. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that does make sense. And the other thing, Cody, we're guys. We actually get a cheaper one on this one because we don't live as long. <laughs> um, the ladies will, will, on average, live a little bit longer, need a little bit more care. And it comes a timing thing. There are a couple plans where what happens is, you know, like me and my wife can be on a plan. And like, if I don't use it, she gets it or vice versa. Right. You know, so there's ways you can do that. Um, you determine, hey, this is what I'd like it to cover. 
And most that's set with inflation. By the way, long-term care insurance uh, costs are going about, about, up about 5% every year. So that gets pretty pricey pretty quick. But you can get this in place. Now, what I find with my child-free folks is getting a long-term care insurance in plan- place is kind of just like checking off a box and going, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh-huh. Which is the which is the bonus. That is absolutely the bonus. And why would somebody get long-term care insurance at 30 so they don't have to worry about it again? You know, you pay a premium per year, or there's some actually you can pay up front, you can pay it over 10 payments, there's all different structures. And then you go, hmm, set it and forget it. You know, I I've got something there. If you have enough in your estate, you know, in, in your retirement plan, you can self-insure this but you're taking risk again. Uh-huh. So if I'm solo, single person, I've got some extra millions. Um, I don't need long-term care insurance. My estate will take care of it or you know, I'll pay for it out of there. What you wanna look for when you look for long-term care insurance, you wanna make sure it covers both in-home care and nursing home care. Cause I don't know about you, but I wanna stay in my house as long as I can. Uh-huh. That makes sense, Cody? Yeah, well, it, and this really goes to one of those questions that child for people always get. Well, who's going to take care of you when you're older? It's like, well, you're that's what you're setting up. I'm going to take care of myself through various means. And if, you know, the the state of the um, uh, re- retirement care communities across the country is saying anything, the fact that they are building more and more every day means that the kids are not taking care of mom and dad in the way that the mom and dad thought that they were going to. So, uh, yeah, that's not necessarily something to, to head your bet on. Yeah. And, and so because I spent some time in EMS and a lot of time in nursing homes because of that, um, I really want to stay at home, first of all. And if I go to a nursing home, I want my own private room because I am not sleeping in a room with three other old folks, you know, going, hey, well, I can't sleep now because he's snoring. And, oh, boy. Um, but you need to have a plan. The truth is, you know, we've talked about the stat before, but over 55, two and a half percent of child-free folks or child-less folks uh, get any support from family and one and a half percent of parents get any support. So the truth is parents need it too, but we know we're responsible for it. Uh What I find is that there is this like, I don't know, somebody called the other day existential dread about what am I going to do long-term? Um, and when I was doing my interviews for the for a book on child-free wealth, Cody, you'd be amazed the amount of people that said my long-term care plan is to go to Sweden and their pod and just exit. <laughs> By the way, it's a valid plan if that's yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. That's a that's an alternative. That's yeah. that, that's um retaining risk is how we would call it. Um, but for everybody else, we need to have something there uh-huh. um, or some type of plan. Now the problem with long-term care insurance is I'm trying to guess when you got to go into a nursing home and for how long and what age that gets crazy. Yeah. A couple other things, uh, by the way, that we have a whole bunch of like financial software. We predict this stuff out and do it. And even then we're going, we think it's going to be this, but if you go in earlier or later uh-huh. and where it gets really expensive is memory care. So this uh-huh. is dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, I, you know, I'm working with somebody right now, working through Alzheimer's and you could be in an Alzheimer's care facility for five, 10, 15 years. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with somebody who had Alzheimer's at 45 and that's, that's rough. 
So now that's that's the most expensive care. How this works for when you apply for long-term care insurance is one of the reasons to apply early is because you can still get covered. So here's how this works. If both your parents have some type of dementia or Alzheimer's, you can't even get long-term care insurance. Hmm. They're like, nope, not going to quote you. If one of them has an issue, they'll quote you, but you might not like it. Hmm. So what happens is if I apply it, I'm going to use that 45. And right now my parents don't have any issues. Great. If I apply at 55 and now one of my parents is in a nursing home for dementia, my cost just tripled. Probably. Hmm. I don't know the exact. If, if you can get it. Yeah. That's the if thing. I yeah. Can get it. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those, well, it's kind of like the disability. If you think you need it, you got to get it way beforehand. Same hmm. long-term care. And you can't, you cannot with disability, life insurance, long-term care, try to hide things. Oh no, my mom's fine. Mm -hmm. They know and they can research and they will uh -huh. to find out. And it, like for life insurance, they may even do a physical and other things and disability insurance. You have to prove gone going that you actually have a disability. And if you get caught with insurance fraud, that's really bad. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> let's just put it politely. Um, so you can't do that. So you have to think ahead. What do you think, Cody? You got, you going to have long-term care insurance? Uh, it, I mean, it, it, it sounds like with it getting more and more expensive, it, it you got to plan for it. It's one of those things. It answers that question. Who's going to take care of you? I'm going to take care of myself. My, my wife, we're going to take care of each other through planning uh, for the future. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's rough. The other thing I just, um, one thing I just want to go back to um, life insurance for one second, because I, I apologize, I didn't say it. When you do set up your plan, make sure you have your beneficiary set up if you do uh -huh. have life insurance. Uh -huh. And make sure you update it. So I've had cases where, oh, someone got a divorce and didn't update their beneficiary and their ex got everything. Uh -huh. So just make sure. You have that there for for most and, of the other stuff. You're the beneficiary, but and depending on the state, I mean, who knows? There might be a way. You know, it might go to a parent over a spouse if that's not stated, or however the next of kin works in that state. So yeah, yeah definitely dot the yeah. I's and cross the T's there. And while you're at it, once a year, check your beneficiaries of your life insurance, other things, and also your retirement plans. Mm -hmm. Once again, don't want the ex having that. Yeah. So, or the state going. By the way, some states actually go. You got no next of kin. Thank you very much for your donation. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. <laughs> You're like, no, I did not just get all my money just to give it to the state. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure your dog is listed as a beneficiary. I don't know if you can do that, but a trust for your dog and your dog. You can, uh, they're, they're, yeah, you can, you can get your cat or dog or snake or whatever taken care of for the rest of its life through, uh, through doing that. But anyway, let's wrap it up a little bit here. If anyone watches this in the future, throwing your two cents, if, if you are an insurance person or an attorney that has a thought on this, you know, let us know. Uh, check our facts. No problem there. Jay, let us know about childforwealth.com. Yeah. So I am, as Cody said, an advice-only, fee-only fiduciary financial planner. I also uh, am a what I call child-free wealth specialist. So I work with people on how to achieve their goals, you know, how to, how to get the best out of life. And that includes life and finances, you know, financial planning, investment advice, those type of things. I don't take it over. I teach you. Uh, if you go to childfreewealth.com, you can check it out, read the blogs, all the fun stuff. And I also offer a no cost 60-minute um, meeting, kind of intro, kind of go, 
Hey, how can I help you? What are we working on? We can talk about you for an hour. Um, so love to meet you and love to reach out. And we, we were joking about uh, something a little bit earlier and we have a comment here. Lenore jumped in, said this should be the next episode is politicians who sell insurance. Um, uh, so, <laughs> thanks, so uh, but anyway, our next episode, we're planning on it being on estate planning, but we do want to throw a, a, a little hook out there and see if anyone wants to possibly join us during one of these live streams and go through an actual financial planning um, session with Dr. J. He'll, he'll uh, look at your numbers and what your goals might be and let you know if you're you know, on track, what you might want to do different, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, just reach out to us at uh, info at childfreefamily.com. And, or if this is uh, on YouTube or Facebook, just uh, send a direct message or something that way, but email that'll get right to me. No problem. And uh, so if you want to get some cool gear, like what I'm wearing right here, go to childfreefamily.com uh, slash shop, or just go to the website and you'll, you'll see it. But uh, anyway, with that being said, thank you for your time, Dr. J and everybody else. We'll see you next time. Bye. See you. See ya. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.